Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. We are back. You have the light of truth with Terry Gillen, and eventually my sidekick, Sharon, will be joining us. We are in a very exciting time, you all. Uh, there haven't been a lot of shows, well, there haven't been any shows in quite some time, and that is because we have all been going through a bit of an energetic update. And uh, at Mystical Truth, we've been completely reformatting everything. Uh, we've tried this in the past, but it's never been able to really get done properly. And now that we do have this lovely sidekick, Sharon, um, we are able to, with her skills that she brings to the table, really go professional, really take things much bigger, uh, so it's very exciting what's occurring at this point. And it's the thing, it, these are the things that we've talked about doing for uh, the 11 years that Mystical Truth has been around. And so I hope you'll stay tuned to mysticaltruth.com and sign up for our newsletters, Angel Whispers, that kind of thing, so that you can stay apprised of what is happening. We're going to be having a lot of online classes, a lot of live events. We're going to have the blog talk shows going on a regular basis and maybe even bring in some other people to do some shows uh, under the name Light of Truth so that you can have some variety. And uh, so it's very exciting. So I just want to share that with you. And again, the website is mysticaltruth.com. You can find out more about me, Terry Gillen, and a little bit more about what we offer. Uh, For today, what we're going to talk about is mediumship. So As many of you know, uh, what I do primarily is psychic slash medium work, and then I also teach others how to hone their own skills so that they can just bring those skills into day-to-day life in a practical manner. So the reason we're talking about medium work today is because when I'm working in the shop in Sedona, Uh, At this point, I'm at a shop called Crystal Vortex in Sedona. It's a lovely little place. There are two different stores in uptown Sedona. And uh, I have a lot of clients come in who have skills of speaking with the other side or have souls from the other side that are speaking to them. And they don't necessarily know how to handle it very well. And can sometimes throw their life a little bit because they don't know the rules. They don't know that they're allowed to set boundaries. Uh, they, don't, they don't quite understand what's happening. And so today's show, we're going to help people understand how mediumship works, uh, the pros and cons, the maybe the rules of the game to keep everybody safe, that sort of thing. And uh, I'm just really looking forward to sending out some clarity so that this show can be a resource for anybody who's curious about how does it work to talk to dead people. (laughs) You know, that's a little crass, but um, I know that's how some people think of it. And and what is it like to develop those skills? How do you develop those skills? So these are going to be the topics or the, the things that we look at today. And I do just want to check on on my little sidekick because I'm not seeing her in here just yet. Uh, we'll just message her and say, where are you, Sharon? Sharon, we've lost you. <laughs> so first of all, I guess we'll talk about what is a medium. Uh, a medium is somebody who is able to connect to other dimensions and communicate with other dimensions. So in most cases, we think of this as people who speak to loved ones that have passed on or people that have passed on. And that that's one aspect of being a medium. But also people who um, are able to channel ascended masters angelic beings, uh, even star beings sometimes, uh, these, this is also mediumship because all it means is that you are the middle person, right? That medium 
the person in the middle of the communication. And so uh, here we have Sharon. Hooray! I'm going to pull Sharon over. Are you with us? I am. Good morning. Hooray! Everybody, we have Sharon with us. (laughs) So now I have my sidekick. (laughs) I can feel more... I can feel a little less like I'm just speaking to my goldfish, which is basically what I do sometimes. <laughs> because I'm just one person on the phone with no feedback, so I just speak to my goldfish and pretend that they're listening. <laughs> so I was just kind of describing what a medium is. And I, to me, it's that person who's in the middle of the two dimensions kind of bridging that gap. And so that can be a channel for... Uh, ascended masters, angelic beings, star beings, or those that have crossed over and are still in the astral plane. Um, And so I think that there's a much broader spectrum of what a medium is than some people realize. And it's not just limited to speaking with people who have passed on. And so I think people with mediumship skills feel like they're destined to only talk to people who have passed away. And that's not necessarily the case. So what do you think about that, Sharon? Does well, that make sense? Because you've worked with me for a while. Well, I was just going to say, as you've been going down the list, I've been jotting them down, and, yep, that's pretty much everything there. And then even I've seen you uh, uh, and witnessed you doing mediumship with the ancients, so those who ah, may yes. have already inhabited, so that that as well. It, it is a very broad spectrum. It is, yeah. And what I find is when people come into the shop or people that I meet out in the world, they sometimes have these souls that talk to them and they don't realize that they can say um, no. They can say no. <laughs> you have free will. You know, and so sometimes people just have these souls talking to them 24 hours a day or any time within a 24-hour day, you know, and it can really throw them a bit. And so I think the first message that I really want to get out there is that you also have free will. You get to respect yourself just like you're trying to respect the soul, you know. It's just like a person coming up to you. You can say, uh, I need you to back off or no, we're not doing this now. Or, you know, if you, for me, what I do as a professional psychic, a lot of times is I'll just say, you need to go tell whoever this message is for to set an appointment, you know, have them set an appointment because otherwise I would be overrun. You know, I mean, how many times are we, we're out and there's just different things coming at me. And if I didn't set those boundaries, what would it be like? Oh, my goodness, right? Um, it, it, it's almost as if someone has sent you a text message or they've sent you a phone call or they've, they've given you a phone call. And if you're not ready to receive it, you let it roll the voicemail or you keep it muted. And then when you're ready to process it, then you can let that through. Right. Yeah. And that's how it really needs to be handled. And I find it interesting that people think that they don't have a say in it if they have this particular ability. It's like they're a victim to it rather than it just being something that is a new skill that, or another skill that you can, um, you can control to a certain extent. So, you know, the other thing I want to say too is another aspect of mediumship is the unborn babies, how the unborn yes. babies will talk to me. Right, And yesterday was an awesome example because uh, Sharon and I, well, I got to meet little Troy for the first time, and um, Sharon was there as well. And so this is a little young one that I did a reading for his mother while she was pregnant with him, and he came through, and they often do come through and give messages to the parents so that there's already kind of that connection and there's some understanding between the child and the parent as far as, like, maybe what their dietary needs are going to be or what, hey, I may be a bit of a handful in this way or, hey, this is going to be really important to my well-being or they give messages to the parents from the womb. 
and then when I get to meet the young ones, it's really neat because they recognize me. And so when I was working with him yesterday, I was holding him and playing with him, and he's, I think, did she say he's six weeks old, something like that? Yes, he is, yeah. So Don was surprised how he was reacting to me. She said he doesn't react to people like that. And he was he was really, really trying to speak to me. She's like, he's trying to talk to you. And I said, well, yeah, of course he is, because he was able to speak to me so easily in the womb. And now he can't figure out why it's not working now that he's in this body, you know. And so also speaking to babies that are not born yet is also a form of mediumship. So um, personally, it's one of my favorite forms. <laughs> Well, you've even had some chat with you about their name, haven't you? Yes. There was one who uh, the the first name was, I think, Athena, which is big shoes to fill. You know, those are big shoes to fill. Uh, That's a big name to live up to. And then the middle name, I don't remember what it was, but it was very long and unique. And the mother asked, well, you know, does she like her name? And I just heard the child yell, no. <laughs> she was like, Athena is enough to live up to. You're going to give me that middle name too? <laughs> and so I don't I don't know whatever happened with that, but I think they reconsidered the middle name because she was, she made a very good point. That would have been a heck of a name to go through life with. <laughs> <laughs> So when uh, it was somebody that I work with at this store, actually, and so when she comes back to work, I'll find out what they actually ended up naming the child. But, uh, yeah, so it's kind of neat because the child can have input while they're still able to communicate because once they get in the body, then it's much harder to communicate. So, um, yeah, so that's also a form of mediumship which is kind of neat because it's not just those who have passed on. And uh, so I did want to kind of, you know, just cover that a little bit, that there are different forms of it. And uh, I want to maybe just ask you what would be your first question. Yes, the first one I have is how do you even know, is it a voice in the head? What is it, how do you even know that someone is trying to communicate to you? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question, and actually I'm not sure how to answer it. (laughs) So it sounds as if maybe it differs. It does, yeah. And so I'm just going to go back. So it it occurs to me that, um, you know, maybe I should just kind of go back a little bit. For me, this has been happening my whole life. So I really, until maybe eight, nine years ago, I didn't know that not everybody had this happen. I truly didn't. Um, because it has always been there for me. So when I was a child, uh, we would go places. We spent a lot of time in New Orleans. Excuse me, New Orleans. <laughs> uh, because my dad is a jazz musician. And so um, we spent a lot of time there. And as a small child, obviously, I was very bored. And so these souls would just kind of come and keep me company. And... And so to me, I'm going to say that it's like um, I feel their words rather than hear. If I, if I audibly hear something, then it is insanely important. Um, typically, I do not audibly. That's my, the way my gifts work. I don't typically audibly hear things. But the way that I hear it is like I feel feel the words in my head. I really don't know how mm-hmm. to explain it. Um, so I'm feeling the conversation because it's all telepathic. And right. so, um, but I can feel distinct words. So I don't exactly know how to explain it, how it works, but it's, uh, well, it's a feeling of a conversation in my brain when there is no conversation happening. So it's not the same as when you're just like having a fictitious conversation in your head. It's actually coming from outside. And so uh, now for me, as you will be able to attest to, 
<laughs> I start yawning like down from my toes kind of yawn when a soul comes yeah. in. And the stronger the soul or the closer the soul, the bigger the yawn. And so it's funny when I'm in a reading or I'm just talking to somebody or doing business with somebody and I start yawning and yawning and it, the yawning will not stop. And it's like that kind of yawn that brings tears to your eyes. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. Because <laughs> you'll be, you know, just talking to the landlords or something, right? Or the cashier and all of a sudden you're yawning and yawning and yawning and you can't even have a conversation until I acknowledge this soul. And once it's acknowledged, then typically they'll back off a little bit. And so for me, the yawning is a big tell that there's a soul around. And, uh, and so that's, for me, that's the first thing, is the yawn. And then if I choose to tune in, then I can usually make connection pretty quickly. And once the yawning starts, like the connection is able to be made. Um, but does that does that answer your question? That does. That helps. So it's, everyone has a slightly different experience is what, what I'm hearing. I believe so. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and some people... And being able to understand. It, right. It's understanding how you translate that energy. And so, yeah. you know, for instance, I had a lady come in, <laughs> I'm going to say night before last because I have no idea, right? You know how I am with days. I have no idea. <laughs> but sometime this week, a lady came in, very sweet, very talented medium who uh, hadn't learned how to handle it just yet. And she got, like, exact details, right? She would get names. She would get faces. She would get dates. She would get, you know, all the details. And it's so frustrating to me because I've done this my whole life, and I just don't get those. And it's it's kind of like, wow, I wish I could do that. <laughs> but for me, so everybody gets different information as well, right? So for me, it's more um, the big picture stuff rather than the little tiny details. Um, and so the information that different mediums get is very different as well. So you could have three mediums lined up. They could talk to the same soul and all come up with different things. So to me, that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, having just worked with a, a, a different psychic slash medium earlier this week. The, That's the, right. The process, we haven't even talked right. about that yeah. yet. Yeah, we haven't. So it's very interesting. So what was that like? It, it was different because the, the information that he shared was different in quality and content than the way that um, you shared. And I'm sitting here trying to pick my brain now to, to remember all the differences. But he would get down to and the hair color and the build and the this and the that. And you're typically, um, it is a bigger picture. He was down more on the details, mm-hmm. and, and you bring in the bigger picture of, of what's going on, and uh, it is. It was just a very different experience, but both of them uh, were equally meaningful in, in the, the information shared. And that's funny because we were the exact same day with the same being. Yes, now, exactly. That's right. <laughs> and there's such yeah. a cool story behind that, but it doesn't feel proper to share it, no. so we won't. But no. someday mm-hmm. down the line, listeners, we will share the story of the cool thing that happened this week. <laughs> so cool. But it involves yeah. other people, and so we need to not share that right now. But, wow, so nifty. You know, when you do this kind of work, so you're coming into working with mystical truth from a very traditional place. And right. it's got to be kind of interesting for you because this lifestyle that I live, that I lead as a mystic, is really different. Oh, my goodness. I would think. Yes. Very much so. <laughs> oh, it, it is. But what's so funny is it just seems so natural. All I can <laughs> think of is being in the natural. restaurant and the lady looking at us and me looking down going, did did I remember to put on pants? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that actually happened. That was part of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just not a normal world that I live in. <laughs> well, the other part of this, <laughs> I will share from our, our, our lunch the other morning or breakfast the other morning was all of a sudden you're like, I want dessert. 
And yes, part of being a medium. Yes. Right. Do I really want that, or is whoever is coming through really want that? So I think this involved a piece of peanut butter cream pie or something to that effect, because the person who it was did. around us wanted it. <laughs> right? And it would have made yes. me so sick. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a big part. I'm glad that you you mentioned that because that is a big part of what we're talking about today. Some of the pros and cons, um, things like that. We were so we were at breakfast, brunch, I should say, brunch. And mm-hmm. I'm not a big dessert person, really. Like when we go out to eat, I don't do dessert. It's so rare that that happens. And so we're there. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling, I really want dessert. I really want dessert. And they, they had the chalkboard up with the different desserts, the different pies they had. And all of a sudden, just peanut butter cream pie. Wow, did I want that. Oh, my God, did I even have to have lunch? Could I just have the pie? <laughs> and so I had to ask Sharon because it was it was someone that, that had been close to Sharon in their lifetime. And so I had to ask you, did so-and-so like peanut butter cream pie? <laughs> because right. I really don't. I have so many food allergies that if I had eaten peanut butter cream pie, I'd have been down for three days, yeah. you know. And so oh. it's – but there's there's this very slight difference in the feel. And that's the that's the key to being a healthy and successful medium, I believe, is – Honing your skills to where you can you can see, wait, which side of that fine line are we on? Is that me that wants it, or is it a soul around me that wants it? So one of the ways that this affects people is, or some of, I should say, the ways that this affects people would be things like that, eating dessert when maybe they wouldn't want it. Now, we did go along with that and have dessert, <laughs> right? because, well, well why not? <laughs> right, and it was all a mode. But I remember yes. I, I had it. I took one for the team, and I had yes, a peanut butter cream pie, all a mode. Yes, you I did. I ate half of it, and it was extremely satisfying, and it served the purpose. Right, <laughs> and so then that soul was very happy yeah. because they got. So they will sometimes on the other side live vicariously through us, and the yeah. reason that that's important to understand is because sometimes, if a soul was uh, an alcoholic in life they will encourage you to go drink more than you would typically drink. If a soul was an emotional eater, they will encourage you to eat things uh, like binging or eating things you wouldn't normally eat, or and it can affect your physical body. Going and hanging out in places that you wouldn't normally hang out in or with people that really aren't good for you or because you're, you know, the the thing is that whatever they were doing in life, clearly wasn't super healthy because they're not here anymore. I mean, unless they died at like 95 in their sleep or something, but the ones that tend to influence us the most are the ones that have passed away because of unhealthy habits. And so they will just bring those unhealthy habits to us and live vicariously through us if we allow them to. So uh, one of the examples that I know of is, Uh, somebody who was trying to quit smoking. But because they smoked for so long, they had kind of this revolving door of souls that missed their nicotine. They wanted their nicotine. And so they would encourage this person to smoke, and this person could not quit smoking no matter what they did. I was with them through the whole journey. They did everything they could possibly do, and they just couldn't break it. And so eventually I just kind of mentioned, well, should we see if maybe we remove some of these souls and kind of put a block on that, see if that helps. And sure enough, they were able to quit smoking because their true desire was to no longer smoke. But they had, I just call it unseen peer pressure. They had so many souls around them that were attempting to get their nicotine fix from the person that that person couldn't stand up to the peer pressure because they didn't know it was there. They thought it was them wanting it so badly. So that's and an so interesting this, piece. I, yeah. Yes. And that can happen with, I will say, 
I see it happen all the time with spending money. People who uh, do like the retail therapy or they make purchase kind of purchases sort of impulsively, that kind of thing. Uh, sometimes, not always, but sometimes those are souls around them that just want that because when they buy something, they get a boost of, what, dopamine or something. And, and so that soul just wants to, because that shifts your aura, it shifts your vibration. And then that soul can experience that shift of joy. And so they will oftentimes encourage you to spend money to get that hit of dopamine so that that shifts your vibration and they can partake of that happy shift. And so you're doing retail therapy for somebody who's not even here anymore and you're the one going into debt. So we end up, because we're in the physical, we end up with the consequences and they don't have the physical so they don't have those consequences and so it's really important to uh, to be able to decipher, is it you or is it something influencing you? So as a medium, people who have medium abilities, I think we are affected a little bit more or uh, more dramatically than other people who maybe don't pick up on those things so easily, which is, you know very nice for them that they're not affected but i think more people have medium abilities than they than they know because i think it's just a natural part of us so um yes so that that whole topic about the unseen peer pressure that's that's very very interesting and listening to that is you have peer pressure so it's difficult enough sometimes to make or break good habits so you have the peers who are around you and um if if you pick up on other people's feelings or you have awareness that you pick up on other live people, their feelings, their energy. That's one layer of this. And then you have the, the, the unseen, the souls or other beings who might be around you. And so as you were describing this, especially like the shopping therapy or the binge eating or the, the, the story of the, the person trying to break the smoking habit is so often if you just think of you and yourself is just finding alternative ways to center yourself, to bring yourself joy, to get yourself in that happy place, if you will, that place of relaxed, calm, or whatever that is. And then you bring that out to the, 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 the live folks around you and being able to be centered within yourself, you're getting less of that external stimulus. But then if you take it out to the next realm, the unseen realm, it, it's, this, it, it's almost like this, this layer of those, those nesting dolls or whatever, being able to keep your, yourself aligned and centered is so important regardless of, of where that's coming from. It really is. Yeah, and it's by keeping yourself centered that you're able to sort of identify, is this me, is this something outside of me? And, uh, and the other thing is that whole, uh, they've, the unhealthy souls that will affect us, okay, they are feeding off of emotion. So emotion, rather than feelings, is a learned response. It's kind of a spike, right? Emotions spike where feelings are a nice sort of flow on the graph. And so when we have these spikes of emotion, then it's a good sign that there's something around sort of uh, hoping to get a, a free meal, right? So we're, we're energy. When we're not in our body, we're just energy. And it's that whole you are what you eat thing. <laughs> and so the, uh, the energy that is this soul that is passed on has to replenish whatever emotion they are in if they're an unhealthy soul. So because our energy... I'm trying to just find a simple way to explain this. So when we pass, it's like one of those little orbs. We're a ball of energy. But if we pass in some sort of confusion, so these aren't all souls that have passed. It's just the ones that are confused or kind of stuck, that, that kind of thing. Um, if they pass in anger, they will tend to want to find more anger to replenish their energy 
And so this will be where I, I remember one time when my children were fairly small, um, maybe one was elementary school, one was just barely middle school, and we had a dog and a cat. And we were in a house, I remember we were in the house, and I noticed this pattern of at all times on this day, at least one of us was raging. And I thought, well, this is interesting, <laughs> you know, because it would it would change who was raging, and there was really no reason for it. I just was watching, and right. that's a big thing is watching the patterns. And so I called them into the living room, and we stood in a circle. And I said, you know, okay, we're going to call our angels in, and we're going to just see that light surrounding us and ask for healing for anything that may be hanging around that doesn't belong here, and we're just going to ask that it be pulled away. And so I remember it hopped from person to person in that circle. And and my kids, you know, they've grown up with me, so they were aware of what we were doing. And then we noticed the cat and the dog started fighting, and they never fought. So it hopped away from the people out of the circle to the cat and dog. And so then we just expanded that light through the house and moved it on out, and suddenly everybody was just fine. But that was an energy form that was craving anger or rage energy to feed off of. And so it would just hit whoever was willing to be angry at the time and just kind of feed energy to that anger so that it could receive energy of fresh anger back. And so this Very is kind of how it works. And I, I hope this is okay to be sharing with people. I hope it's not too much. But I think that a lot of this is stuff that I don't share very often, but I think we're coming to a time where people really have to understand because I'm seeing this affect people out in the masses on such a grand scale. You know, these people who commit crimes that really are harmful or people who just go a little nutty and start hitting people in their family or just all these different things. You suddenly get up and quit a job that you've worked at for heaven knows how long to build and then something and you turn around and go, what did I just do? You know, so it's affecting people more and more all the time. And so I think it's important for people to begin to get an understanding of what's happening. So what I have found is this goes in line with uh, what they refer to in the Catholic Church as the seven sins. And really, a sin is just missing the mark, if you go back to the true meaning of the word, uh, in archery. Um, and so to... Uh, to sin is just to miss the mark on staying centered. And so the seven sins are really the concepts that in my 30 years of dealing with souls on the other side, I have seen they always fall into one of those categories as far as the energy that they're trying to feed off of. And so at least one of those categories. So we've kind of gotten off topic, I guess, but... We'll get back on topic. Um, so so it's important to, I always kind of keep a mental note of those seven concepts so that I can see, well, you know, five minutes ago, I wasn't feeling angry. Why suddenly am I angry? Is there actually anything I'm angry about or am I just feeling angry? And we've had that conversation. There are times where I say, oh, yeah. you know what, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I am a raging biatch right now. You know, and there's no reason for it. And so I stop and I have to center myself and just go, okay, what's going on? Because I was not like this before. My mentor used to say there should be a thought for every feeling and a feeling for every thought. And if you don't have that, um, then it's not yours, period. And so if you're feeling angry or you're feeling depressed or you're feeling envious or you're feeling a little greedy, whatever it any one of those seven concepts, if you weren't feeling it before or if there's no real reason that it's been building, because for you to feel that there should be something that's been building, right? Uh, then it's not yours. And that means you've got unseen peer pressure. Now that can be, uh, and we've had this experience, 
I, we've all probably had this experience, but if we're around someone who's feeling, say, fear, then suddenly you can get caught up in fear and it's not yours. You're just affected by their aura, their energy field. It's kind of invading your auric field and suddenly you're feeling it, but it's not yours. So whether they're in a body or not in a body, you know? Question for you. Go ahead. Yes. No, no, go ahead. The children that have been coming in and continue to come in, are they more receptive to this? And again, going back to some of the uh, challenges sometimes in, in understanding what's motivating certain behaviors or things such as that, or is that not related? Absolutely they are. Yeah, because the the majority of the kids that are coming in now are so uh, gifted psychically uh, in many different ways. They are kind of mind-blowing. And so, uh, and they also, many of them are really good at communicating telepathically. And so that, you know, that leads to uh, hearing and speaking with souls that aren't in bodies. They're more sensitive to picking up on stuff that's around, and they may uh, easily talk about they see somebody or why is this, you know, when I was little, because I'm one of those kids that just came way early to kind of pave the way, there was a man hanging in my closet. So clearly somebody, we had a house that was built in 1819 that we lived in, and clearly somebody must have hung themselves in that closet because I remember I was five years old and I hated sleeping in my room because at night I could always see this man hanging in my closet. And my mom just, you know, had no clue, right? <laughs> so right, she just, yeah. She said, well, we'll just, there were just curtains on the closet, no doors or anything. And so she said, well, we'll close the curtains. It'll be okay. And I'm like, but this guy is still hanging in the closet. <laughs> All you did was pull the curtain, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so I wouldn't sleep. I didn't sleep for the longest time in that house because there was a man hanging in my closet. She couldn't see it, but I could see it like it was just right there, you know, and and so this is how a lot of these kids are. So one of the things that I tell parents is, you know, it's not always the case. Sometimes it's imagination, sure, you know, whatever it might be, but just because you don't see it and just because you don't hear it does not mean that it does not exist. And that's something that so, people really need to remember. Yes. So when you look at that, so again, it, 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 the whole boogeyman, right? There are monsters under my bed, they're, they're mm-hmm. whatever. So even if, so whether it's yourself, and I'll say this maybe someone who might be experiencing things such as you were, you were suggesting, whether it's a feeling of thoughts, or actually hearing or whatever it comes through, whatever their translator is, and right. or these children perhaps, re- regardless of whether you actually believe it or not, what might be some tools for setting these healthy boundaries, uh, whether it's with your child or a child you know or yourself? How do you, whether you know it or, or whether you believe it's happening or not, might right. be a good way to start. How do, you, right. how do you start setting those boundaries? That's an excellent question. Uh, the first thing that I would say is just exactly what I talked about doing with my kids when we had that one that was jumping from person to person. I would just, and whether you understand this or not is irrelevant. You can just, uh, because it is such a part of your nature, it just is whether you understand it or not. So you can just call in your angels. So you've got a, we've all got a team of guardian angels, and these are not people that have passed on that we used to know. What I'm speaking of is actual angelic beings, and uh, they carry with them this tremendous light. And so if you can imagine, you know, in the movies, sometimes they show it, or TV shows, where just this glorious white light, sometimes golden, uh, you just see it filling the entire space that you're in. You see it going under the beds. You see, you ask your angels to come in close and bring their light and fill the space with that light. And you ask them to clean under the bed, to put that light under the bed, to put it through the walls, to put it under the foundation of the house, to put it a big bubble over the house. 
And so you just bring that light completely, just let it saturate where you are and ask them to just move out anything that is unhealthy or non-harmonious that doesn't belong there. And so that actually does work. I mean, it's to this day what I use, you know, uh, it's the most powerful. I know a lot of people sage and that kind of thing, and that's lovely. But you don't always have sage, and sage doesn't always work. And if you don't really necessarily believe that there's anything there anyway or you don't understand it, just it doesn't hurt to play with Colin and the angels and fill in the house with light. And there's zero harm or expense in that. It's free, you know. <laughs> so you don't have to go to the store to buy anything. And uh, – so I would say that's the first and probably best thing to do. You know, I I think that was the premise behind the whole uh the whole prayer thing before you go to bed. To me, uh I think that's really what was behind that was just kind of making sure that the house was clear that you were connected with creation whatever you might call it. It's just that that was the church's form of of doing that and so but i think people have lost sight of that and i don't think many people do that anymore and so the other thing that you can do especially if you have kids uh, but i say it to adults too because it definitely works you can ask your angels to just sort of form a circle around your bed and protect you through the night and that way you just kind of have that feeling of protection so that if anything were to come in, they'd have to get through that angelic realm first, and that just isn't really going to happen, typically. So, <clears throat> um, is that helpful? Yeah, it, it is. They, they, they do form a very nice uh, ring around you. They, they, they do surround you. And uh, having worked with you, and uh, shameless plug here, Terry's Angel Meet and Greet, if it's ever around you, Scottsdale, September 29th, just going to throw that out there. Wonderful <laughs> opportunity to meet your angels. It's really profound. Um, They're a lot of fun, aren't they? Oh, oh my gosh, they are. They're at, they are. There's a lot of laughter. There, there might be some tears of joy. It's just a, really a fun experience. Um, and it does allow you to interact with your angels. But one of the things that, that's so interesting, especially if you're feeling prickly, is, mm. as you shared with me, is you, you have to – they don't want to come around when you're prickly. Right, because they're they're healthy. They're from the angelic realm. Right. They they don't want to get too close to all that. So it may take a few rounds of, all right, guys, I need your help here, and then you'll calm down a little bit, and then you keep it. it it's like this bringing in the circle type of thing. As you calm down more, they calm down, or whatever it is that you're doing, your your right, energy you, starts moving. Right. If yeah, if you can imagine sort of you know your aura or your energy field around you is kind of like an oval or a circle. And when we're stressed, angry, grouchy, whatever, it's almost like a porcupine spikes. And yeah. so they they can send their energy to assist you in calming it, but they are not going to come into that mess because why would they? And so, yeah, so you just kind of ask, will you help calm my energy and so that you can come in closer, you know? And it's, that's a very good trick to do. Yeah, not trick, but uh, strategy strategy right so and i will say to get us back on topic of the medium thing um that is as a medium i do that before i ever connect with any soul i always this is one of the things that i did want to cover today is that to me as a medium what keeps me safe what keeps souls from following me home what keeps them from affecting me and my physical well-being is that I always work from team to team of angels. So I always call my angels in. They form a nice circle around me, buffer me with that light, and my team of angels speaks to the soul's team of angels. And we surround that soul with their angels, and then I speak to the soul. And so... That keeps everybody healthy. It keeps the soul healthy because it's bringing their angels in. It's bringing them clarity. So that's my first step. I'll get a first impression of a soul, 
but it's always through the buffer of my angels so that I'm not negatively affected. And so it's kind of like putting on a hazmat suit, only it's angels. <laughs> so uh, as a medium, I think that's the first and most important thing that I do to not end up You've been in my house. A, a lot of mediums when oh, yeah. go into their house, you can feel there's all kinds of stuff around. In my house, we never have anything here. No. Not unless it's called in, if it's invited in, if I'm connecting with something or channeling something or whatever, then we invited in. But we don't have uh, lost souls traipsing through my house because that's. <laughs> but but a lot of mediums, it's like their house is full of souls because they don't have those boundaries that they set, and they just bring them home with them, you know? And so uh, I think as a medium, that's the most important thing I do, and that I would like to stress to anybody who may be working with this is you really want to learn to work with that angelic realm, in my opinion, I should say, working with that angelic realm first, bringing that in as a buffer, and then you actually get much clearer communication from the souls anyway, because uh, you're moving through that crystal clear light of your angels when you're connecting with them. And as you encourage them or help them pull their angels in, if you're so inclined, that keeps them, uh, it gets them out of being stuck. If So sometimes a soul will still be experiencing um, whatever they were experiencing before they passed. And they don't realize that they've passed sometimes or they're a little lost. They don't know what comes next, that kind of thing. And so what happens is they don't realize that their angels are around them. They think because they appear as lights, as white lights. And so sometimes they think they're stars or they're lights in the hall or they're headlights or they don't get the connection because they haven't learned that. And so if you can help them see that those lights can move in, and let them come in nice and closely, then they receive this healing and clarity so that they're no longer stuck, they're no longer, they realize they don't have a body, there's no pain to feel, you know, and then they can be guided to the next steps. And so, uh, but this keeps everybody safe. And for people who are interacting with souls, that's the most respectful thing you can do for yourself and for the soul is call in that angelic realm first and then communicate. And if a soul doesn't want to work with the angelic realm, then you probably need to not work with that soul because they are, you know, that's the other thing that we're, we should have made this a longer than an hour show. Mm. <laughs> we're down to 12 minutes. Maybe there's a part two. <laughs> right, part two. Um, so I forgot where, what did I just say? Where was I headed? Uh, if if a soul doesn't want to work with the angelic realm. Yes, thank you. So sometimes, you know, on the other side, there is darkness, and there are different levels of darkness. And so I can't tell you how many times I go to talk to Grandpa Joe for somebody, and the room is full of souls saying, I'm Grandpa Joe, I'm Grandpa Joe, I'm Grandpa Joe, because they just want to be heard. Or if the person has a path that's important that's going to make some changes sometimes there there are dark ones that will come in and go i'm i'm grandpa joe talk to me (laughs) and really it's something that wants to derail this person from their path because they don't want to see the light be served and so they will typically really resist the angels coming in so darkness doesn't want that to happen And so if you have a soul that you're working with and they're refusing to have those angels come in, well, then unless you really know what you're doing, you probably need to walk away from that one because uh, they're casting illusions. If it doesn't want to connect with the light, there's a little bit of a problem. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can really end up hurting yourself or somebody else, you know, because – it isn't just playtime, you know. Right. And so uh, I think if anything comes out of this show, that's what I would like to see come out of the show is for people to 
really take seriously, okay, I'm feeling souls or I'm hearing souls or seeing souls, first and foremost, pull your angels in, see yourself engulfed in this light, and then proceed. Because you need to protect yourself. I've seen so many people uh, really just their life just goes downhill because of this or they have suddenly they end up on you know psychiatric medication or the other thing that happens a lot with mediums is that they become diabetic and somebody explained it to me once and for the life of me I can't remember the the breakdown of it but it made total sense it had something to do with the yin energy versus the yang energy or something of the souls and but they sort of if you don't protect yourself they're able to really draw from your energy and just them, if you are speaking to enough souls over enough time, it actually ends up uh, creating diabetes. And so you'll find that a lot of mediums, if like when I'm doing a lot of mediumship, I'll start craving sugar. And so I eat way more sugar. And so then I know, wait, it's affecting the blood sugar. I need to back off a little bit and just make sure that I'm taking all the steps I need to so that I don't end up diabetic from doing mediumship. Isn't that crazy? It, it, it is. And so you, you touch on a couple of the risks of being a medium yes. is it actually can physically be, become a med- <laughs> medical situation or right. you, you have your, <laughs> the, the, as you're describing, the, the house with all these wayward souls or all these things coming in and out. Right. What are some of the other risks, right? <laughs> right. Well, so place. some of other risks are uh, severe depression, because if you're not setting those boundaries, I mean, if you think about it, you are surrounded by people who have passed on. And as we are all just vibration, right, those vibrations being in your presence can start to affect your health. So if you have, uh, so even this happens even with like doctors and things that cardiologists have a high rate of heart issues, Uh is it oncologists that deal with cancer? Yes. Um, they have a high risk of cancer because they're in the vibration of those illnesses all the time. <clears throat> and so this will then eventually permeate their vibration if they don't take measures to protect themselves. And so it's the same thing with having all these souls around that you're interacting with. Uh, you can very easily pick up the vibration of of death. You know, and so it can take many forms, but it can really just, you can kind of go into this uh, very dark place. And you'll notice that a lot of mediums are very overweight. They're very unhealthy. They're very skinny and unhealthy. Uh, it's, it's a lot of unhealthy people that do mediumship, and it, they didn't necessarily start out that way. And so uh, the vibratory aspect is not so great. But also, um, you know, just the, it can be difficult, right? Because when you deal with clients, it's the family of the people that have passed. And so, for instance, I end up dealing with a lot of parents who have lost their children. And uh, a lot of families of people who are suspected of committing suicide or did commit suicide and so they're really wanting answers. And so, yes, you're dealing with the soul and the pain that that soul went through, but then you're dealing with the family and the pain that they're in, and it can really be heartbreaking. And so to me, that's one of the most difficult things about it is dealing with all of the heartache and sorrow. Uh, it it can be very difficult. Uh, but we have just uh, a little over five minutes I want to swing back the other way, though, and talk about some of the the amazing parts. Yes. You know, so for instance, uh, I had a, a client that had just lost a child, and um, I was able to connect with that child and <clears throat> find out that they had actually already fulfilled their purpose here. They were only here 
to briefly shift the perspectives of the family involved in their life. And by them passing, they created all these new opportunities for lessons. And so they were only meant to kind of touch down on earth and then leave. And so the mother obviously was having tremendous guilt and, and different feelings. And, uh, so I was able to help her with her guilt because she didn't do anything wrong. You know, it was it was just a passing. And it was a passing because the child, that soul, not the child, but that soul came in to create some change, to shake things up, and then they needed to go because they had other things to do. They weren't here to have an entire life. And so helping families understand that or if you have a you know a family member who committed suicide because there there are a lot of those going on right now and to be able to communicate with a soul and find out that you know yes they were only 30 and they committed suicide but that's because they had finished everything they had come here to do in their 20s yeah. and now they're just living here with no purpose and they just wanted to like I got to go, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't out of depression. It wasn't that their families did anything wrong. You know, these families will say, well, I'd never saw it coming. What's wrong with me? I'm a horrible parent. Or what did I do to make my child feel that way? And in fact, no, you did a great job. That soul was able to complete everything they needed to do. And then it was just time for them to go. But what's happened is we've actually taken away all the natural ways to pass. Because we've exactly. made, made everything so much safer, right? Or people are being saved in hospitals when normally they would have passed. And so in order to get out of here, people are having to take their own lives. And so it's, it's just this interesting dynamic that's occurring. And so uh, as a medium, one of the benefits is that you are able to help people see from a different perspective. I've also had situations where, uh, you know, there was the official cause of death was suicide, but the family suspected murder. And I've been able to talk to the soul and get the real story for the family so that they could, you know, yes, you can't go to the police with it necessarily, but they're able to find peace for themselves. You know, they're able to get the answers that they couldn't get before. And so it's uh, there's a lot of joy that comes with it as well. You know, there's there's a lot of fulfillment. And like the other day with you, with that soul that was around, that was a lovely experience. It, it truly that was. Lovely. was. And it, yes, and, and again, going back to the sense of peace and clarity. And, you know, I've, I've talked with you after you've done mediumship with, for other people. At, at Crystal Vortex or wherever that happens yes. to be, um, as well as you've helped me with uh, some of the people in my life who, who've, who've transitioned to the other side. And it is, it's really a beautiful gift that, that you share with people. It really is, yeah. I'm, I'm very blessed, I think, to be able to do this and to know, to have studied with one of the best in the world so that I can do it safely, you know, uh, for me as well yeah. as for the other people. So we are down to about a minute uh, for the rest of the show. Is there, just real quickly, is there anything that you would have me hit on before the end, or should we just kind of wrap it up and maybe do a part two another day this week? I'm, I'm feeling a part two might be wonderful because there's still more questions and things to talk about and uh, just want to give it the, the amount of time necessary. Right. Okay. So, we will do a part two sometime this week, everybody. And you can find more information about me at mysticaltruth.com. We do have an angel meet and greet scheduled for Scottsdale on September 29th at the La Quinta in Scottsdale. And uh, you can pre-register there at mysticaltruth.com. And you can either text or call the phone number there. And uh, we'll be happy to help you out. Uh, we do also have readings, life coaching, all kinds of different services. And would you like to just quickly give your website, please? Sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. It is Red Dog Creations LLC.com. So that's Red Dog Creations LLC.com. Wonderful. And Sharon does amazing fused glass and natal charts. So uh, we encourage you to go check her stuff out. And we are done for the day, it looks. So hopefully this didn't cut us off. <laughs> and we will <laughs> talk to you next time. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Bye-bye.